Hello, horror fans. Welcome back to Selling the Scream, a show about horror movies brought to you by one horror nerd and one horror noob. I'm Jed Donaldson, the aforementioned noob that leaves our co-host. Uh, I'm going to call him the Crypt Keeper's older brother, Josh Yoakum. Hello, Josh. It's it's going well. I, I feel like you've just given me license to do Crypt Keeper impressions for this episode. Is that... Has, has that chain been removed from the door? You know, has that... I hadn't considered that when I when I thought of it, but uh, I mean, you're right. Okay, so just be be warned, folks. That we'll... we'll we'll call you Steve Creeper. You, you never quite got there. You're a little jealous of your little brother. I was actually doing it before him. He learned everything he knew from me. Right. Yeah. I mean, guys, I didn't talk or laugh, really, but... <laughs> you guys started together, but then, you know, it blew up a little bit, and people liked him. They weren't really feeling you. <laughs> I, I feel like he really got away from the most important part of it, which is just being a creepy skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Sometimes you point at things. <laughs> it's not just laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm doing well. How are you? You know, I'm I'm here. I'm doing all right. Uh, getting ready to go car shopping for the, I don't know, first time in several years. I may have talked about this before on the show where my, my old car died and we kind of uh, making do with just one vehicle, but with school starting back up and kids doing extracurricular stuff and it just, it's getting hard to juggle all of our uh, transportation needs with just one. So uh, And daddy needs a moder- Maserati. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> you hit the nail right on the head. And yeah, we're gonna get one of those Maseratis with like uh, you know, four doors and lots of trunk space, uh, room for the whole family. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still just gonna aggressively gun it at like red lights, right? Just really push through all the the valves. Is that what car people do? I, I think that may be part of the reason why I don't have a car currently. Um, <laughs> but you know, I gotta be me. <laughs> It's just really funny to like get some like to find like a real gearhead and get them pumped for a race and then just pull away at a reasonable speed as they go like flying off into the distance. Just rev it up, rev it up, eyeball them the whole time, just stare them down, and then when it turns green, just go about your day. <laughs> um, yeah, I just uh, I think we talked about it a little bit last time. Started up a a new job. And- yeah, how's that going? It's it's going well. It's definitely like uh, different going from a place that has like me and two people that work under me who you know rarely if ever show up um, to being kind of like low man on the totem pole at a place with like many employees and like having to ev- immediately like declare allegiance to like <laughs> the, the different factions there. You got to join a guild. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was a uh, not really. It, it had been a moment since I'd been somewhere where it's like, uh, well, you 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 do know that that Aaron is is it's, it's terrible, right? Like, or you you do know that. The... <laughs> I, I find it I find it strange that you go from like a a giant multinational shipping corporation to what you know by all accounts sounded like a smaller operation, and now you've got to deal with way more drama and people. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just the way it is. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, you know, got a nice little 
bonus on my way out the door on my vacation time and uh, like a little, little bit of a sign-on bonus. So uh, immediately blew it all this this weekend because our, our camping plans got canceled. So just Did like you guys hit up the casinos. <laughs> well, I'm just like, oh no, my son really wanted to go camping. How how else will I retain his Take love if casinos. I don't buy it? Buy it? Buy it? <laughs> okay. There's, you need, I mean, we're gonna need two of your friends in a trench coat, and this this will happen for you. I promise you. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you don't know the rules. Just uh, just just. I need another set of hands. I need another, some more eyes. <laughs> I got. Daddy's got a system. <laughs> um, but but do we do we talk about gambling systems here on this show? No, no, that's it. I mean, eh, no. We don't. We do talk about horror movies, though. Um, uh, specifically ones that you've chosen in an attempt to turn me into a fan, uh, which has been slowly but steadily working. Um, I have even, at this point, gone out and watched some stuff on my own. Oh. Try, um, try to pick stuff that you're not going to... That I don't think you're going to put on there, but whatever. I think if I, if I do get to the point where I'm going to watch something that I think might be on the show... I will just go ahead and take this So you're you're only watching shit at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching straight up garbage. Just, just utter trash. Although, based on what I've seen from you sometimes here on the show, I can't write that stuff off. <laughs> well, I'm gonna teach you the difference between garbage and camp. I feel like that's part of part of my <laughs> part of my mission here. Okay. All right. I mean you're working on it. <laughs> I can't say you're not doing that. I mean, this week we have one that that rides the line. I will admit, so I'm, I'm curious to see where you uh, you fall on this one because we're doing uh, Creep Show. We're doing the the George Romero uh, Stephen King team up. Uh, their their reinterpretation of the EC Comics of Your Their Ode. So, so a little surprised that um, this is the first George Romero movie that we're doing. Yeah, because I mean, it's uh, you know he did he did other stuff that's not his zombie movies, but you'd kind of think that's, that's sort of the legacy. That's what he's known for. Right. So yeah, I, um, like, I, I would have thought that if not only would we have done one of his movies already, but the first one that we do would not have been this, his, his hired gun movie, like the first script he didn't write on his own right. <laughs> movie that he did. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think this is a really fun one. I, I also think that it's a, uh, you know, I, I'm definitely going to be pitching this one as a, great movie for like a seventh grade sleepover <laughs> oh sure yeah or, or that, something that, just to have on in the background while you're doing something else like a like a halloween party or something yeah just people keep up people kind of coming in and out of the room and maybe they watch one segment maybe they 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 bail before the second one starts like, but i, I think... can even i can even say that i i wouldn't really object to having this on with kids around because while there are some like some pretty gnarly gore effects in there like it's not, it's not over the top or ridiculous. Yeah, and it's 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 match, matching the tone of the comics. I, I did want to talk a little bit just because we got we've already kind of talked through Stephen King a little bit. I'm sure we'll talk more Stephen King stories on this movie and other movies that involve him in the future. Yeah, but um, definitely talk about Stephen King in this movie. <laughs> well, for one segment, yes, we will specifically, be specifically. Yeah, we will be pausing to spend a lot of time to talk about Stephen King. Um, but I'm curious if you uh, if you wanted to start with uh, a little bit of George Romero's background, or if you want to talk a little bit about uh, EC Comics, because I think both those are kind of pretty pretty key here. I you know what let's let's talk about the comics first because um, 
the presentation and the just kind of the way they present all I guess presentation and the presentation and the presentation <laughs> 12 times uh, it's the framework like the frame story and how they they show um, the different stories I yeah. think without knowing that it's a comic would be difficult to get into well I mean it's the movie tells you it's a comic. It's like the whole frame story is the, the the dad finding his kid's garbage comic and getting mad about it and throwing the garbage in. Yeah. Good old child abuse right up top. <laughs> crap, crap, shit. Like the, of, I think of the like eight lines and the like, words in the first line of this movie. It's it's there's crap, crap and shit in there. It's 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 pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> But like the movie, it's the frame story is the comic book. So I think you're, if you didn't know that was a real thing, it still at least makes narrative sense because as the stories are progressing, you're just you're literally just flipping the pages of the comic book. That yeah, I I actually we were talking a little bit about you know camp early on, and I mean this movie is that yeah, (laughs) but I think um, I really enjoyed the the comic book framing. I, I. yeah, I and it's, it's it, how old it is. Like, I think that stuff holds up pretty well. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's um, you know, it's it it's very close to the tone of these EC comics that came out. I don't know if you've read any of those originals. I know you've seen Tales from the Crypt episodes, and you. I think you know. I, having having gone back and watched this again, I definitely have seen this before. Got yeah, because I think even last time we talked about like you you, you knew the crate story. Mm-hmm. So and I recognize more of it as we as I we went through. Like there are yeah. bits and pieces that I didn't remember, um, but most of it I I did remember seeing. Yeah, because um, those are original stories, the original three comics uh, published by EC, like in the early '50s, were uh, Tales from the Crypt, Haunt of Fear, and The Vault of Horror. Um, and they EC like used to stand for educational comics. Um, they, they did a lot of the early stuff and it was very like uh, written for a young child audience. And then the mm-hmm. founder of the company died in a tragic boating accident. And his son, uh, William Gaines, took over the company and radically changed directions like in 49 um, and started putting out like sci fi stories, um, crime stories and you know relevant to what we're talking about today. They had mm-hmm. these three lines of horror comics Um that all had all had the same formula, all had like a, a, a different host. Um, and eventually it would just be like that. Um, most of the stories would be like by the host that was associated by that comic, but all of them popped up in each other's comics and they would like make, they'd snipe at each other and make fun of the reader and stuff. And That's they all kind of, yeah. <laughs> but they also did like some other cool stuff that like hadn't really been done in comics. Like they were the first comics to do um, like reader's letters um and they gave like a lot more prominence to their okay, like else. i never thought this would happen <laughs> dear spider-man <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i've actually been reading the um about the penguin collection of like the first run of like the steve ditko stanley amazing spider-man stories and i've been reading those to my kid yeah um and he gets so angry if I try to like go and like show him the letters because he just like he just wants to get some more Spider-Man. <laughs> <But> <laughs> he like literally will cover my eyes. Stop reading. Um, but um, 
it's it's really funny to go back and read those. Is it's like uh you know the, these as Spider-Man's being born, like the 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 internet nerds of the 1960s writing in to be like angry that there was too many girls in the story or something. <laughs> they're, they're well actualing Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. <laughs> It's, but, uh, you know, it's that tradition of like associating, um, the creative teams too, and kind of promoting the creative teams. That was, uh, an EC comics thing. Like they would, they would heavily feature like some background about the the people instead of trying to just like hide the fact that human beings had anything to do with creating the comic books. Um, but yeah, the, um, part of why I think this, works so well with like horror movies is that the history of comic books also we've talked about the haze code um comics had their own haze code moment they, there was a, a book published um it was about like the superhero stuff too and like other stuff but about like the corruption of the youth in the 50s called the seduction of the innocent mm-hmm. um and that led to the creation of the comics code um which bill gaines actually was like into because it was like very creator self-directed and then he meet the that immediately got lost in the shuffle and was like, no, no, it's going to be like the Hayes Code. All these things are going to be banned from any comics or we won't distribute them. Um, so like the actual run of these titles was very short. It was like three, three and a half years maybe that these three titles ran, but like it has very long legs <laughs> and um, yeah. Got the Tales from the Crypt show. Uh, do, do you know the other thing that EC published that, like, kept them afloat? That, uh, I don't know, were, were you a Mad Magazine kid? Yeah, Mad Mad Magazine and Cracked. Yeah, both um, both of those I would pick up um, more often than maybe I want to admit from stores. <laughs> <laughs> you mean picked up, like, at a discount, like, of the Five Finger variety? <laughs> I... Not all the time. <laughs> okay. You, you just would turn back to the police and say, what? Me worry? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, lo- I love those when I was a kid. I think eventually I feel like I kind of outgrew Cracked a little bit, but I always really liked Mad. Um, before they, like, rebranded as, like, a weird fax website <laughs> with, like, writers with a lot of great voices and then fired all those writers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I liked the, the website for a long time, and then, yeah, it, I don't know. <laughs> it got dire, and they shit-canned everybody who had a voice, yeah. and basically was just like, here's, like, 30 weird things about gloves. Or like... <laughs> Some people are into it. <laughs> um, but Stephen King was obviously, like, a huge fan of these. They were, like, actually published a little bit. Like, he would have been too young to really know what they were, but... Um, I'm sure like siblings and friends still knew of them and passed them down. And they were like being who Stephen King is like very um, important to him. And a lot of his short fiction kind of matches this, like the the conceit at the heart of 80% of tales from the crypt stories. And it's, you know, some, some jerk does like, I'm a jerk and I like fishing. Oh no, I've been caught by a fisherman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I I will say that these stories very much struck me as a type of thing you would uh, hear around a campfire. <laughs> I mean, it's built. You don't have much time to like punch in and punch out, so it's like pretty much yeah. just the ironic death. That's like that's yeah. the only thing you got, got going on. So 
if your mileage varies on that, we might be in for a little bit of a longer ride. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about George Romero because George Romero was also a fan of these. He's, he's a little bit, or was a little bit older than um, than Stephen King. Um, he's a he's from he's from Pittsburgh and basically like filmed all his stuff there. This is all filmed in Pittsburgh area for the most part. Um, and he's kind of like what you don't really see anymore. Like he's a, he's a regional filmmaker. Like he, um, when he wasn't making movies, like he actually, he got his start, uh, filming commercials, um, and, and was very successful at doing that. Um, and then of course, like, uh, started working for that, that Titan of gore, that, uh, horror legend, uh, Fred Rogers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so like he filmed stuff for Mr. Rogers, like, uh, Mr. Rogers gets a tonsillectomy. <laughs> like Mr. Rogers goes to a factory, like those segments they do where he'd go like show little kids how something works or okay, try to make it yeah. so they weren't afraid if they had to get their tonsils out. Um, so it's actually the, you know, where he got like a lot of his experience and even like some funding um, was, was from Fred Rogers, who was like really supportive of the, the scene in Pittsburgh um, did draw the line at letting George Romero use like, any of the Mr. Rogers neighborhood cast for his horror movies was just like, <laughs> hold on there now, George. <laughs> well, I think that would kind of uh, spoil the brand a little bit. <laughs> um, but I, I kind of want to save this for another time, the, the whole discussion around Night of the Living Dead, but Night of the Living Dead is like, I think I even mentioned in our first episode, like I think there being like, like, three movies that really established like the foundation of modern horror where it kind of like turns from being, I think there's some great stuff before it, but it turns from being a, the, the monster movies of like the forties and the rubber suit alien movies. Like, like even like almost morality sort of, sort of based. Yeah. And it's, I mean, part of it's like the haze code eroding so they could actually make those, those sorts of movies, but he makes night of the living dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into why that's in the public domain, but, um, it, it ends up because it's in the public domain, like any drive-in can pick it up and run it and keep all the profits. So becomes like kind of one of the more successful movies all time because of that, because it just, it never stops playing. And like, there's always mm-hmm. a service that has it and is running it. <laughs> like, um, it, so it, it builds this legacy, but he doesn't really have a hit like that again until Dawn of the Dead. He he spends the seventies making, I think some really good movies, but like he doesn't have, he doesn't really have the funding. It keeps dropping out from him or he, and he's, he's more interested in kind of making like kind of more smaller scale, like weirder movies. Anyway, he wants to stay in Pittsburgh and like right. and make Pittsburgh movies. He just doesn't, doesn't quite get the traction. Yeah. And um, Dawn of the Dead ends up like really like reinvigorating him because that's a, a huge hit, especially worldwide. It's, it, it does gangbusters in Europe. Um, and he, you know, he's, he's, kind of gets a little bit of his juge back, his legacy back, um, and, and, you know, makes a couple other films and uh, gets this offer from Stephen King, who he becomes really close friends with later. Um, I, a lot of his stuff, um, he really is uh, a lot of social commentary. And it, this is, it's weird that we pick, like, one that 
isn't one of his. I think we do. I think you still get some of that flavor, especially like in the stories of rich assholes <laughs> that, that yeah. come up here. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's less interested in those. When he invents the modern zombie, he's less interested in what they are than what they can mean and what uh, what stories about us as we are that he can tell with them. Um, and I think that's, that's true of a lot of his stuff. He's really, um, you know, like this, his movie season of the witch, I like a lot, but it's like, it's advertised as either like a soft core porn or as a horror movie. And it's really like a domestic drama about a woman finding herself through like the occult, but it could have been anything. <laughs> like it's just, right. Yeah. I mean, you kind of hear this a lot when, um, when zombie movies get tossed around, I'm, specifically his where they say you know it's a zombie movie but it's not really about the zombies it's about the people <laughs> yeah and he's he's very much in that mold um like so much so that like it, it's really funny that they went to him initially with resident evil like they were like oh these these those movies are so influential to the games like we're gonna give like uh we're gonna give him the script and like George Romero starts writing it. <laughs> That's so weird that the, I mean, I guess they're influential in the games in that the games do have zombies, but. <laughs> yeah. That's not, about not it. a lot of George Romero movies that involve like finding the lion key and putting it in the, like the square. Peg. <laughs> or, or like later in the series, just punching boulders and. <laughs> <laughs> anime uh, nonsense. <laughs> I should, I should note that, uh, the movie that he does before this is actually uh, Stephen King's film debut um, where he is a, uh, so the, the movie he does before those night riders, which is, uh, I don't know if you've heard any description of this movie. One of them were, it's a really good movie, but it's just such a bonkers premise. Um, it's a retelling of King Arthur, but it's uh, not set in medieval times. It's a like traveling carnival motorcycle jousters. And Ed I, Harris is the lead in it. <laughs> sounds incredible, but <laughs> it's actually really good. It's 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 uh, I, I, that's that may be one that I would have a hard time with. Is this horror? <laughs> but Stephen King is like a guy who's heckling them, who is billed as Hoagie Man because he's eating a hoagie. <laughs> so you're telling me that this movie was his second appearance in a movie? Yes, <laughs> I would never believe that. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's let's jump a little bit in, into Creep Show. Um, so they Stephen King writes um, uh, two of the stories from this were pre-existing short stories, but he he has this is his first screenplay credit. He writes the whole thing, um, brings in George Romero. You know, it's a big a big get to get. You know, there's a lot of big names in the credits here. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, the Adrian I, Barbobot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Ed Harris, Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, I, yeah. Just some. Were you surprised Tom, that I, Tom Savini? <laughs> I, I didn't lead with. Uh, well, obviously, we're going to talk about horror legend Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and Ted like, Danson. That's a. Him and Ted Danson, I think, is one of the more effective pieces in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, I because it's an anthology movie. I'm up to talk about these in whatever order you want to talk about them. Was there uh, was there one that spoke to you a bit more than 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 others? I mean, we can start strong and start with Stephen King. <laughs> oh man, 
I kind of want to jump into Stephen King right away, but I also kind of want to save it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know what? Let's talk about The Crate first. Okay. Okay. Because that's that is like that's the one you remember. That's the one I remembered from this. Yeah, and this this was a pre-existing uh, short story. I forget which collection it was published in. It was one of those early ones, either. Um, I, I wondered how many of these were from the comic and and how many may have been written for the movie. Oh yeah, there. Um, well, I mean, there was a a comic tie-in that was published with um oh, I forget that artist's name. It's the guy who did um Swamp Thing. Um, the Whatever. If you know, if you know it, you know it. <laughs> you can heck, feel free to heckle me on Facebook for forgetting his name. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got uh, Hal Holbrook. We got we got one man show uh, Mark Twain himself in this. We yeah. got the aforementioned Adrian Barbobot. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, That's a joke for three people. <laughs> Please, please, if you have not, uh, I'll, I'll use my recommendation up front. We're doing that section. Sea Lab 2021, uh, especially the first two seasons, near, yeah. near, near and dear to our hearts. That's <laughs> tremendous stuff. Um, I think this story is a story that plays a little differently in uh, in 1982 or the late 70s when it was written than it does now. <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> uh, well, well, let's get into it. So we, we have our, um, our our main characters here. Um, or we can start even at the beginning. We have, we have a, a janitor who finds a crate under the stairs in, a, in the science wing of a university. That is basically all I remember of this story. <laughs> <laughs> the janitor part, the, the flipping the coin and finding it under the I, stairs. Uh, like, just that there was a crate at a university with a thing inside of it that eats people. <laughs> being sent to julia carpenter from the arctic expedition so i don't think it's actually been like officially confirmed this this did come out the same year as the thing um kind of wonder if there's that that connection there um sure maybe <laughs> uh so he calls uh a, a a professor that he works with um at a like a, a social gathering of, of faculty and like new staff. Uh, I guess it's like it's supposed to be like the end of the school year or something because there's like nobody there, right? That's the, right, the yeah. premise. What yeah, whatever what for whatever reason it's a time of year when basically no one is at the school. Yeah. So um, we meet our main characters who are attending this party. We got the um, the, the professor Dexter Stanley who picks up the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, whose uh, best friend is uh, Professor Henry Northrup, who uh, is married to uh, a, a much younger woman who's... Uh, Call me a, Billy. <laughs> a a, a lush... Does. Yeah. Um, a, a very comically broad uh, drunk who's, you know, constantly hectoring him. And I, I think the, the way that this plays a little different is like, now I'm just like, wait, how old is this dude? How old is she? <laughs> what's what's going on? How'd they meet here? What uh, what's happening? I think that if this were made today, the it would be cast a little different, right? <laughs> I don't I don't know that you can say this is a fault of the the writing and the story so much as just like the actors that they had available or, or you know 
the people they could get for the budget they had. I, I think this is not uh, – I don't know that you can really go to town on this as a, as a sticking point. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, these are, like, name actors and stuff. This is, like, you know, a, yeah. a decent cast. So they're, they're um, like, Adrian Barbeau and, they, you know, they've already been some of the John Carpenter stuff. And, right. this, they, you know, Hal Holbrook's had, like – a lot of these folks are, like, have very long-storied character actor careers that are, you know – kind of doing this goofy fun little movie that's you know um but yeah i don't I, I think also with it just being like set in academia too that always gets like my 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 collar a tugging like after like wait like how long have they they've been married like was this a student situation was this a <laughs> <laughs> um but she's like she's shown to be, he's the the figure of sympathy she's shown to be yeah, just I, like really obnoxious <laughs> i do not remember like the the henpecked husband aspect of this at all i strictly remember the monkey eating people <laughs> i mean it does make an impression <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> many other things fall away when you see a monkey eating people radically <laughs> um, eating people <laughs> this this left an impact on what like nine-year-old me <laughs> yeah um but like he's daydreaming about like murdering her constantly. Yeah, he's having like very... fantasies. <laughs> just <laughs> first one, she's she's right in the head and in the middle of the applauding. party, and everyone applauds softly. <laughs> um, I thought that was funny. Yeah, no, they 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 stage it again. Like the ca- the cast here is really great too. So it's it's a uh, um it's it even though there is the the, the collar tug element, it it plays fun and like they're turning in fun performances. So, um, but there's that phone call because they found the crate. Um, so there's like a series of, uh, so the janitor and professor Stanley, uh, first pull this crate out. That's, that's been there and they start prying the boards loose on it. Um, (laughs) and when they get it open, it like, it tips over and a little monkey monster pull comes up, pulls the janitor in and well pulls his arm off. I mean, there's there's some suspense and some build up here where they're like, well, yeah. where did this come from? Blah, blah, blah. I think I felt something move and it seemed like it shifted when we weren't touching it. And you know, they really make a meal of, of getting the nails out of this thing, too. Oh, yeah. They, they milk that for, for all it's worth. They, they, every single one. <laughs> gets yeah. Pulled up and, <laughs> so, I, I mean, there's there's some build here. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then the janitor is looking. He sees the eyes and is reaches in and gets his hand caught and the thing falls over and he gets basically just pulled up into the box and it <laughs> leaves his boot behind. <laughs> what? Yeah. The, well, the boot is later on when the, when the monkey put the crate back under the steps. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my favorite thing about it is that the, uh, that the monkey just goes back. <laughs> it's just... like, I'm comfortable here. <laughs> I've been here since 1834. <laughs> Um, but we, uh, there's another character that's introduced this, this graduate student, um, like they've already mentioned earlier is like going to try to get the Nobel by the, by the time he's like 22 or something. Um, which I, I, this, how he vacillates between just like threatening and like awe is, is, is kind of hilarious too. Yeah. (laughs) Where he's like, you're a drunk, you're ruined. Wait, what? <laughs> um, but they uh, he, 
after you know the 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 next death he he, tra- he tracks him back in they're looking to make sure it's under there he doesn't believe him and he gets uh killed tries to I love that he like gets the shot in gets the <laughs> hits the monkey and the monkey's just like what the fuck he hits the monkey with the monkey wrench <laughs> um it's a wrench specifically for monkeys you think it would work <laughs> it's like a D and D plus one wrench plus three versus monkeys the monkey wrench. This is a, it's an Arctic monkey, so maybe it's not quite the same. <laughs> um, so is the, the Professor Stanley is hysterical. He runs to his friend's house, who who believes him, uh, and they're they're there by themselves because they, they have a scheduled chess game they're gonna play. Yeah. Um, so Henry, uh, you know, like a good friend would do, drugs his friend. <laughs> He's going to use the monkey to kill his wife instead of a plot. I mean, this, this, there's a lot in this segment. Like, <laughs> this, this story is back and forth tonally wildly. It's like yeah. a pendulum swing after pendulum swing. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think there's a reason. Like, I don't think you're the only one for whom this is the story of the whole anthology that, that sticks out. I think that monkey design, especially the eyes, especially when you're like young, that like eyes image sticks with you. (laughs) I do not remember there being so much monkey. (laughs) (laughs) You might might have left the room at that point. (laughs) I mostly remember like the hands coming out of the crate. That's, that's what stuck with me, (laughs) but you get to see a lot of this monkey. (laughs) Well, Thomas, if anyone showed off, this was the first like full body monster. Yeah. Yeah, he'd mainly done like slashers and zombie movies before that, which is, you know, I guess they're full body in the sense that you might have like a wound on somebody's side or something. <laughs> and I'm, you get some some gnarly effects with this monkey where it's like biting people's faces and you just get to see like the skin. Tear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the, the nasty gashes left. I mean, it's clear that it's prosthetics and, and uh, like like fake work. It's not actually on a person, but um, it's pretty gnarly looking. Um, but like Henry, Henry goes to like go kind of confirm the story after he's drugged his friend, leaves a note for Billy basically saying like, hey, come come meet me here. Um, Dexter's in trouble. <laughs> Which <laughs> Dexter's in trouble. He sexually assaulted a student who to the point where she's hiding under the steps and won't come out. Well, that's he. He has that story later, just in his pocket. <laughs> like that's well, a believable story. Well, again, like I, I think the the politics of this movie coming in like years later, I'm just sort of like, oh, okay. <laughs> Where it's just like, well, yeah, that's a thing that happens all the time. So let's just we'll get her out and we'll cover it up and everything will be great. You're good at that, right, Billy? <laughs> You, you know, like he does. Well, I guess maybe he doesn't do it, but, like, that's the scandal. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a, a new member of the club. Um, <laughs> but the uh, – I was watching this with my partner in which, which she had pointed out that, like, I didn't see before. As I saw, like, the drinking she was doing. But the uh, – not only does she pour, like, the whiskey straight into milk. She pours herself a glass I, I noted that. Oh, she irishes up that milk. <laughs> <laughs> which Gammy is just like, that's actually one of the things they tell you in AA. Like if you, if you were doing that, you were like, that's when you need help. <laughs> that's, like your, that's your, that's your rock bottom. Um, 
but that she brings it with her. <laughs> she gets out of the car at the college with a cup of milk with <laughs> And she takes it all the way downstairs. <laughs> it doesn't drop it until the monkey assaults her. Well, like, you know, ostensibly, like, you know, like maybe certain high school teachers we used to have, you put your, like, your liquor in something else to, like, cover it up and like so people just see you with like a coffee or or like an orange juice or whatever and they don't ask questions i would have so many fucking questions if somebody came in just drinking a glass of milk (laughs) i like milk (laughs) you you drove here with a glass of milk Um, but this uh, you know it's all set up and again like this is another scene that's really melt where um he he is prompting Billy to go under the stairs so the, the the monster can grab her after he's confirmed it's there, um, and it doesn't react even after she's he's like I, kicked her in and it's like assaulting her. <laughs> I, I love that like he's so giddy with the idea that he's not going to have to deal with her for much longer that he can't contain his laughter, and he's got to try <laughs> to sell her on the fact that she's under there curled up making funny noises. You you got to see it for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this assault like, victim. It's hilarious. <laughs> you gotta look. <laughs> the thing that makes this like character who we're expected to be like our sympathetic henpecked husband not as sympathetic as he once played. Is just like you know what's funny. Just a you need to see how the sexual assault victim is laying down there. It's just I mean it sounds bad, but once you see it. <laughs> right. You just got to get down there. You got to see it. You got to see it. <laughs> I, I love it. He spends all, all this time cleaning up the place. Yeah. So that she won't suspect anything's going on, which, frankly, I think she was so sauce she wouldn't have noticed anyway. <laughs> and then he, like, he doesn't even really check to see if. There's actually a killer monkey in the box. He finds some. St- he finds the blood in the stuff. It's, it seems to add up. <laughs> Look, he's not a. He's not a professor of logic. He's a. <laughs> um, but but we do get our monkeys after after uh, Billy belittles him. We got we gotta really like make sure that it's it's. Right. We're rooting for this monster to eat. You're terrible at your job, you're terrible at life, and you're terrible in bed. You can't give it up, can you? Too far. And the monkey's like, whoa, that's cold. (laughs) Put us before (laughs) us. Um, But the, uh, he he ends up, like, after after she gets et, is able to, to... secure this box shut and and using Dexter's idea drives it to the quarry and kicks it in the water. And I love that that's just like problem solved, uh, like for this thing that's been alive for like 150 years under the stairs, not not being (laughs) this unknown life form that just seems to be out for murder. Like, it's okay. I I put, I put the box in a hole. (laughs) Yeah. And like, it's not even like he buried it. Like, he just kicked it into a lake. <laughs> Isn't it a wooden box? Won't it float? <laughs> I just love the two that there's, like, some menace to, like, the 
the idea after this where uh, after Henry's relating the events to Dexter, that's just like, well, now uh, I know you're not going to go to the cops with this because we're such good friends and we get to play chess forever. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> I still get to kick your ass twice a week at chess. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we do see that the creature breaks out of the box. That's how our, our, our every every story in this goes to like the, the comic freeze frame. And like, I, I know we've kind of mentioned it before about like the comic effects, but like throughout the whole thing, like somebody sees the monster for the first time and the whole background goes like day glow or maybe even has like the you know, explosion around yeah, their head like, reactions. Like, like a comic panel where they just, it's the person's face and then like color and like maybe like a geometric design or geometric, geometric pattern. Yeah. And there's a lot of like the, the, the kind of shallow lighting, like it, it going from normal lighting to like a pink or purple lighting as, as like a big moment happens. Um, yeah, I, 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 all that stuff kind of works for me. I really, I, I enjoy it. it gets, I, I think it's it's good for establishing the the mood you are meant to take this movie in. <laughs> right, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, cool. So we, one down. One down. Uh, <laughs> uh, four in a frame story to go. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, are there, of, of the four that are left, yeah. what do you think is the weakest? Um, it pains me to say this because there's some great moments in it, but I think it's the first one. I think it's Father's Day. I think I would agree. So okay. why, don't, why don't we blast through that one real fast? <laughs> I hope you like exposition, everybody. Because <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this story is about, what, 65% exposition? Yeah, it, it, a lot of, a lot happens right at the end, but the, the remainder of it is all set up. <laughs> yeah, and this is this was written specifically for the film. I think this might have even been the last one that was written, like kind of like, oh, we need we need another story. <laughs> right? um, and and when we talk about the state of Stephen King in the story starring Stephen King, maybe you'll understand why. Like, hey, Steve, can you crank out a story real quick? While is a thing that could happen, maybe not be a <laughs> thing that should happen. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sure he punched this out very fast. <laughs> <laughs> um so it's, it's the uh the grantham family so this rich family that is meeting for father's day um and we have uh sylvia who's the aunt of richard and cass and uh and Ed harris <laughs> who's the new husband so he's the he's the person receiving the All exposition the yeah. yeah it's uh Cass's Cass's husband, um, you know, and by the way, like, you know, young, young Ed Harris, this, this, this hick hunk <laughs> comes gliding into this, this film and he doesn't have a lot of time in it, but he dances his way right to the heart of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I didn't even recognize that it was him at first with that full head of hair. <laughs> well, well. <laughs> Um, you can't deny that he has hair in this in this section. It's it's on the way out. <laughs> he he has hair in the same way that like a restaurant a minute before closing has has, 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 ser- has servers. <laughs> um, 
but the uh, the story they tell is that the family patriarch uh, who Nathan, who made all his money like through bootlegging and fraud and extortion, eating cake, who <laughs> loves cake on Father's Day, uh, that he's like super old. I guess he's like if you look at the gravestone, he's like ninety eight or something. That the uh, his uh, child Bedelia, who he's like. I guess is the aunt of Sylvia. So like another generation removed, uh, who's old, older than dirt. Uh, it's like that actress was 62 playing this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they get that, you know, that old age makeup from, from cruel jobs. That they put on a 12 year old to play the mayor and just <laughs> apply it to her. Um, but, uh, yeah, great aunt Bedelia. Um, she was, under the thumb of her father, uh, her father uh, took her uh, her her beloved out on a uh, you know most dangerous game hunt so that his daughter wouldn't be too busy to serve him cake on Father's Day, <laughs> which seems to be his primary motivation. Uh, you know, it, it gives him the old Dick Cheney. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um. But that it culminates where she's uh, she's been driven driven mad on Father's Day and kills. Uh, it's not confirmed, but it's like the the unspoken family secret that she killed her father with an ashtray, which that ashtray shows up in all the stories. I don't know if you caught it. Any of the I other did times. notice that. Yeah, so, some of them more obvious than others. Yeah, yeah. Um, which like I love that they like hand the ashtray to Ed Harris as he's as he's like smoking and he look he's looking really disturbed by the story, but then he kind of looks down at the ashtray like well, you do need this for smoking. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> um, so Bedelia comes home, but like her tradition is that she gets like sauced and goes out and like screams at her dad's grave for a while. So they, and they eat baked ham, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as traditions go, it's, it's, uh, it's what I do every father's day. So it's, I, I don't see anything weird about it. Um, so she goes out and is uh, <laughs> and is just like confessing to everything at the grave, and then spills her whiskey bottle in front of the tombstone, uh, which I guess is like actually is an Irish myth about like one way to bring the dead back to life because my people are nothing if not fucking on brand twenty four seven. But like also. This bougie ass family and she's out there drinking Jim Beam. <laughs> I think she's at the point where she doesn't care what it is. <laughs> she's got you've got the money. Like I we you've you've driven by that the <laughs> by the Jim Beam plant. Like you you know the smells. <laughs> well, there's also maybe maybe a little bit of a commentary going on here where, you know, that maybe she's uh, you know, just keeping up the appearance of uh, of wealth, but uh, she's ruined it, and now there's this hollow shell, and everything's gonna. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they're still supposed to be wealthy, but you do you do hit the nail on the head that she's got like the. Uh, I mean, she's an elderly spinster, and she's got the. They're, again, they're playing as as broad as the comics did. So yes. uh, imagine that outfit in your head of elderly spinster, and that's exactly what she's got on. I don't have to um, imagine it. My neighbor lives that life. <laughs> Throwing cats at you. <laughs> uh, yeah. <Ooh. laughs> 
there's a story there. It's not not to be shared on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and lose our number one fan. Um, <laughs> but uh, Nathan's corpse comes back to life. And this is actually the, the, the actor playing the corpse was like the star of his movie from four years earlier, Martin. Uh, you know, fun, fun little role here. Like, hey, remember how you starred in my like psychologically complex movie about like a guy who may or may not be a vampire and it's, there's a lot of layers. I want you back and I've got the right role for you. Here, a zombie who loves cake. <laughs> Go. <laughs> um, so, so he uh, strangles Bedelia. Now uh, we, we cut back to inside and we do have to talk about, because this, this lives on this, this Ed Harris and his bride dancing scene uh, there is a Twitter account that I believe every day posts a new song uh, for Harris to dance to. That <laughs> that's, is a, that's a commitment. <laughs> it's a it's a staggering dance. I if you don't watch the movies we talk about on here, I, even though it's my least favorite segment, it is the it is the moment <laughs> in the movie that maybe stands out. <laughs> Whoever. If it was, I don't know if it was an Ed Harris decision or if it was a Romero decision, a King decision, whoever told him to do like the finger wiggle on top of the head. <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's a talented actor. He makes choices. <laughs> um, so this, the, the rest of this basically just plays as like a really quick slasher movie. It's just uh, Ed Harris goes out to smoke, uh, sees if he can talk Get to killed. Aunt Delia. Uh I mean, maybe the tension here, like we've talked about some of the effective tension. I don't know if the I've fallen in the grave and it looks like this gravestone's going to fall on me. I better not move. <laughs> he does get every possible chance to get out of the way there. He just does not. It really is kind of his fault at that point. <laughs> you're, you're just watching this happen. Like maybe he's he's re- thinking about what his life's going to be like if he sticks around in this family. He's like, mm, I'm going to lay here. <laughs> this is going to happen, and I'm fine with it. It really is the Austin Powers security guard screaming no as the, the, the steamrollers <laughs> starts. <laughs> this is his fault is what I'm saying. <laughs> But he does have the moment where he like kind of tries to get out and he finds Bedelia's body. And then um, I don't know if in, in the Irish legend of these z- whiskey zombies, if, if telekinesis is part is like part of it. That's like is that a David S. Pumpkins thing. Like that's part of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I find it best just to not ask questions. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Sylvia is is killed off. She gets her head twisted around after she finds the the body of the cook. Which uh, man, like, what exactly did the cook do? Like, I know her the family like covered I all this up and plotted. The cook was there when the when the initial murder was done, and I think there was something said about the fact that maybe she helped cover it up. I think that was the aunt who helped cover it up, but yeah, she might have been there too. I just I don't know. It's a uh, <laughs> I don't know. And, and the cook. <laughs> you're a cake zombie. You just. You just <laughs> what else are you gonna do? I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I was gonna make a when every when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, but a cake based, and I I just couldn't pull it together. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd argue maybe the story doesn't. Um, but the the ending is the is the niece and the nephew. 
the, the zombie comes in and, and Sylvia's head is on the platter as the cake. He got his cake. <laughs> <laughs> and when everything's when all you have is a spatula, everything looks like icing. I was that is that anything? <laughs> We're just gonna keep coming back to this. All right. <laughs> I'll workshop it some more. Okay, so um, so we got we got our frame story, we got our uh, lonesome death of Jordy Verrill, uh, something that's tied you over and they're creeping up on you. What's what's next on the docket? Uh, let's let's hit the creeping up on you. Okay. Um, so I think most people, like I said earlier, remember uh, from their childhood the crate. Yes. Uh, this is the one I remember. <laughs> I, I do not like roaches at all. Okay, yeah, all right. I can see why you remember it then. Um, so this is basically just uh, this is a Howard Hughes-like figure. This is uh, E.G. Right. Marshall, who's uh, you know a cruel businessman living in his uh, hermetically sealed penthouse apartment. Uh, yeah, he wants to be in control of everything, including what's in and out of his apartment. Yes, Um when he's locked in here on a, on a stormy night, he's driven a, a, a you know a, a business rival to suicide by a by a buyout and is mocking the widow who's calling him in the middle of the night. <laughs> I think this guy's great. This is a great performance. <laughs> <laughs> playing playing the violin <laughs> while she's yeah screaming at him. He's just miming the violin. He's like, hey, how'd you get my number? Because I want to fire that guy. My husband's notebook. Well, I guess you can't fire him. <laughs> <laughs> but this whole time he's doing this, uh, he keeps getting, he keeps seeing roaches, and he, he's he's killing off all the roaches. Uh, the roaches, most expensive line item in this budget by far. <laughs> they bought they bought a quarter of a million dollars worth of roaches. <laughs> I can imagine that it would be expensive because there are a lot of roaches. <laughs> There are many roaches. Um, also, not really the best about like corralling those back to to the people I, <laughs> they got them from. I don't even understand how you would. <laughs> Can you imagine like uh, uh, we're we're filming a movie in your apartment building? <laughs> are you suggesting that they rented these roaches? <laughs> You're spending no, a quarter su- million dollars and you don't even get to keep the roaches? I'm suggesting that they hired a roach handler, like a roach guy, like the <laughs> like the roach. baboon guy we talked about in the fly. Like, oh, you need a roach? You need to talk to like Steve Breckenmeyer. That's that's the roach. That's Hollywood's roach man. <laughs> they got a, a, a roaches 401. <laughs> he, he goes on Johnny Carson sometimes and is just like, well, tell tell me about these roaches that are swarming me. <laughs> well, just Johnny. <laughs> Watch out, those roaches like to pee. <laughs> gross. I mean, this story is really fucking gross. <laughs> Especially Right, and it's there's nothing to this story other than this guy's an asshole, he doesn't like roaches, bah bah bah, he gets killed by roaches. <laughs> he gets like he interacts with several people who you get to see the scope of his assholeness and Yeah, it's it's a Christmas carol with roaches. <laughs> Am I going to get visited by three ghosts? Uh, nope. Not exactly. <laughs> How about uh, $250,000 worth of roaches? <laughs> oh, man. I, 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 I would love to be there with George Romero, just like cutting that check and like on the memo field. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
like or the 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 place that sells roaches and it's just like a maytag repairman situation all the lights are off all of a sudden the phone rings <laughs> somebody's scrambling for a pen <laughs> i can just picture like the the guy at the the counter of the roach store just like hey you, i mean you don't mind me asking what you need all these roaches for i gotta teach this rich asshole a lesson <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> there are worse, there are worse reasons to buy two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of riches. <laughs> um, is I, I, you know, he threatens the the building superintendent who's on vacation to, that he's going to fire him if he doesn't end his vacation and come back and fix this problem. Um, but they the the handyman comes up, Mr. White, and they do like the, uh, you know, the very minstrelly. <laughs> yeah. <it's- laughs> This is this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I think this. I think what you're meant to get from this is like he's losing his grip on reality. Yeah, but like he's also getting kind of like mocked by this guy. He's like, oh, I'll do that for sure. Like for something that like, yeah, yeah I'm gonna go in and like solve your roach problem. Like, right, he's like, I'm thinking, <laughs> who would have a 24 hour roach problem? <laughs> <laughs> um we do get the uh man the, the the again like i watch a lot of these movies and like my, my gagometer always gets tripped by the uh him him finding the the roaches in the in the like oatmeal he's in blended the, up whatever slurry i have no <laughs> idea what he's eating it looks like it's made of roaches <laughs> I, I wouldn't have eaten it even before i found the roaches in the box <laughs> the roaches may have improved it actually it's like he just mixed up wood chips and milk. <laughs> <laughs> Do you appreciate the technology in this section? The 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 constant scrolling screens and the. <laughs> I I was expecting there to be like some sort of like message or indication of something going on, like some sort of clever little you know blink and you'll miss it sort of thing. But it was just numbers. <laughs> like just run roach dot program or. <laughs> Or anything, like maybe not even something that on the nose, but just, you know, some sort of indication that things were not quite right. Yeah, I mean, there's like the little, like they're crawling on the screen and stuff later and it's glitching because the the bugs are inside of it. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just like another indicator. Um, I do like his little uh, like vacuum shoot. He's He's just (laughs) constantly dropping roaches into (laughs) roaches and and masks and gloves, tissues. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's a, it's I forgot it's a pre-pandemic tale. It's a <laughs> that's 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 what it is. That's the timely the timely relevant tale. Um, but we get this uh the, the the power goes out and they start really swarming at the at the end of this um like coming out of every 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 pore every which way mm-hmm. uh and the power's out so the the power the 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 repairman stuck in the uh in the elevator. Yeah. I love that he tries calling the police. And it's just like, get over here right now. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Which like again, uh, I think if he was just like, uh, they're they're tr- these roaches are trying to get treated like human beings. Like they would summon the police immediately. <laughs> Truncheons. <laughs> I don't man. I don't know if we want to expose our politics like that, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's stopped me in the past. Um, but the, uh, the the this the guy goes into his hermetically sealed room, his his panic room, and 
turns out the roaches were cold in there because they all got onto the cover. All snuggled up. <laughs> Snug as a bug in a rug. Uh, and then he gets he gets it. He gets it by cockroaches uh, from the inside out. They uh, they they crawl into him and in a real gross effect. He body but, bursts apart. <laughs> see, I, was he was he eaten by the cockroaches or, or was it showing that like he is such a piece of shit that he was cockroaches? Ooh, there you go. You, you hit the, uh, you, you circled the square that, that maybe like cocaine brain Stephen King never got around to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I, there is that like messaging. It's the, again, the morality tale, EC comic stuff where like the entire time he's talking about people as if they're bugs and saying like, oh, these like losers and these bugs, they're the same. If you don't watch them, they'll creep up on you. Creep up on you. <laughs> um, all right, so we want to talk. We want to tackle this uh, this frame story, or do we yeah, want to? Let's, ta- I'm, let's hit the frame story. Okay, so we got we got another horror legend here. We got we got Tom Atkins uh, as as the dad, um, and also a modern horror legend because this uh, this kid uh, who's who has got the comic that Tom Tom Atkins slaps him in the face and takes it away from him. This crap. Uh, that's uh, that's Joe Hill. That's that's uh, Stephen King's kid. He's, you can tell because he's got the family haircut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope you rot in hell. <laughs> I, I just look, from his old man. <laughs> I, just, I just picture his dad like offset, like writing the lines from like, okay, okay, uh, I want you to say this, uh, Dad. What's a porno mag? Just say it. Just say I found your porno mags. <laughs> <laughs> now this older man's gonna slap you in the face. <laughs> Um, I, I do love Tom Atkins, who's also like in Halloween three season of the witch. He's in uh, the, the fog maniac cop. He's got a you know, great, great horror resume. Uh, but I love that. Like he was also like a kind of a sex symbol at this time. Like, and you, you don't get to have like a face like this and like drink a lot of shitty beer and smoke cigarettes and movies and be a sex symbol anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's unfortunate. That there was a goddamn period in America's history where you could just like drink Schlitz and smoke camels on screen and just have like a whole lot of face and people would be like, that guy, that guy needs to get with 20 year old Jamie Lee Curtis. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, uh, Hollywood's weird. (laughs) I think my favorite thing about this, like the, the lead up part of it is that of all the things that he's like screaming about in the in there he's like going through the plots like there's zombies there's you know people there's bugs and the thing that really sets him off people turning into goddamn weeds <laughs> we'll get there <laughs> like what kind of ptsd does he have <laughs> that's like the, <laughs> the what what <laughs> I think I think maybe he's just having a real issue with his lawn and like <laughs> Roundup's not working. He's trying everything and that's what God made fathers, babe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but like he he uh you know is is mad at his dad and kind of the the lead up for the whole movie after his dad's thrown his comic away is uh he hopes he rots in hell. And the, our, our creep, our, our host, appears at the window. It's a silent host. It's this. Uh, I'm going to be real generous to Tom Savini here, and they are going for a specific comic book look. <laughs> it's 
maybe not the best prosthetic he ever made in his career. Maybe a little party scene. Perhaps. Um, I do feel like um, when when I watch a movie that's like of a specific time period. Yeah. And I I understand that you know maybe they don't have all the all the bells and whistles that we have now, right? Um. There, there's a certain amount that I can look past if I understand what they're going for. Yeah. Did this did this cross that rubric for you? <laughs> I think it did until they shifted into animation directly afterwards. Got it. And you're like, why wasn't this animated at all? <laughs> yeah. But I feel like maybe you would have had to have something there to make the transition. And uh, it almost has like the, the Captain Cronus thing where what they're going for is, is cool enough to maybe get, maybe let me cut them a little slack. Yeah. I mean, I think to me, it also signals too that like, even though it's an R rated movie, it's like the, the primary audience is like 13 year old boys. And I, I do right. think there's like a, you know, I, I appreciate that there's a, there are films like that. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of welcome you in again. Like I described it earlier, it's a sleep, it's a sleepover movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the so that's our, our setup, and then all the stories play out. And uh, did did you notice the uh, the missing ad as they were flipping the the missing coupon? Yeah, I mean they they call it out. It's 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 not hard to to see. Like they're like, oh, you the X-ray specs. Oh, it's a gag to make your eyes black, and then and whatever. That's oh, it's a voodoo doll. Oh, well, someone bought that. We can't do that one. <laughs> well, that 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 plays out at the end with the uh that like they actually show it when the comics are are flipping. They show the missing thing as it's going between stories because they show like the comic book in the garbage yeah i I didn't catch it at that time but i mean they they blatantly call it out at the end yeah (laughs) which is uh that's our our tom savini cameo he's he's one of the garbage men there um but yeah the uh he orders a voodoo doll so his dad's you know eating breakfast and you know talking about how he feels justified in what he did and uh, he starts experiencing pains in his neck and it's just little Joe Hill upstairs with a crazy look in his eye just jabbing the, the voodoo doll with his <laughs> stole, you know, stole a piece of his dad's shirt or whatever and does it, does it work as a sting for you? Are you, are you there? Is it a... <laughs> uh, it was whatever. <laughs> it's a frame story. I mean, I think it, like... You, yeah, it's about as much as I would expect from a frame story. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's let's dig into. We got. Uh, I, I assume we're just gonna save this lonesome death of Jordy Verrill because I think we, we're gonna have some content there. Um, yeah, I think so. I think that's but, probably what we should we should finish on. <laughs> so we do have to talk about something to tide you over. Our, our Ted Danson Leslie Nielsen mm-hmm. piece. Um, Leslie Nielsen, consummate professional, of course, had his fart machine on hand for this entire shoot, just blasting rips at the end of every scene. Just, <laughs> like for the last time there's not a blooper reel there's no blooper reel leslie <laughs> stop uh, ruining takes <laughs> i want to believe that's true um speaking of um you know leslie nielsen and maybe future co-stars one of the things that uh george romero found some work doing in the 70s was uh doing a, a sports biography for tv uh the juice is loose the oj simpson story oh, man it's like well i finally haven't made a horror movie and then like 20 years later oh no 
<laughs> then the juice was loose. Um, but we, we, we got our story here where the, uh, Leslie Nielsen's a, a rich asshole. He's Richard Vickers, uh, who's discovered that, uh, Ted Danson's, uh, Harry is having, uh, an affair with his wife, Becky. Um, and, comes over and they have a they, they start with a conversation that you know i i normally like to answer my door with uh i can bench press 300 pounds i just like to like establish <laughs> dominance up front let them know. let them know what's up like real cute you're gonna lose that foot if you don't stop <laughs> bench press 350 i do like the uh you know the the symmetry here the rhyme of as as Harry is at a disadvantage, he is in the bathrobe, and later on, Richard's in the bathrobe, and now the bathrobe's on the other shoulder. <laughs> All right, did I, it's something. Did I get there? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me, I can see it. Let me salvage this one. Now the bathrobe's on the other shoulder. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Yeah, no, that definitely did it. It just needs to be He's judged a little bit. <laughs> and, and, you know, not just cover for terrible writing. A fun voice. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, so the, uh, the, the, the setup here is basically that uh, Richard's saying that he, uh, he doesn't love his wife, that, that they were going to, like, tell him they were going to run off, but, uh, but he, he refuses to give up anything that's, that's his. Um, yeah. And, and, the other like character feature is that he he's like an AV nerd. That's like the other. Right, yeah. Like he's the whole time he's in the apartment, he's like, I'm surprised you haven't noticed some signal loss on this uh, picture with your wires loose like this. You really need to take care of your equipment. <laughs> <laughs> Which like for a dude who like ends up taking a whole bunch of AV equipment to the beach <laughs> and exposing it to like seawater and salt and sand. Right. <laughs> I. I dug it. I thought it was a, I thought it was a, even before I knew that there was going to be that element to it, I thought it was a, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. And like, it, it, I think this is a, you know, if you know these performers, like they're, they're capable of giving, giving very fun performances. And I think mm-hmm. Leslie Nielsen really relishes being this like kind of charming, jocular psychopath. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think about that, he, he plays that character all the time. It's just never framed as like the heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But basically he's able to kind of maneuver Harry into coming with him because he's like, he plays a video. He's got like Becky held somewhere. And like, you know, you, if you, if you hit me, if you kill me, you're never going to know what's what happened to her. (laughs) Uh, Takes, takes him out to his private beach comfort point. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, did 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 you you did you remember this one at all? Did you know the kind of the the, the setup of this? Is that a, a <laughs> like I I remember the the end of it a little <laughs> yeah like I remember you know, the the zombies getting shot in the head and the the, the green liquid pouring out like yeah. just like little pieces of it but like everything that led up to it I don't really but everything leading up to it this time watching was what I was really yeah. into. Yeah, and I think that the central conceit of this one's like really good, and you got great performances, and like it's mm-hmm. it's just this terrifying idea of like the uh, basically his how he's getting revenge on them for this affair is yeah 
burying them up to their head as the tide comes in. Um, they can't move, but he's the, the the fair fighting chance he's giving them is if they can if they don't panic and they can hold their breath, they can eventually like wiggle loose right, between the, waves. The water will loosen up the sand enough for them to to get free. Yeah, and they 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 take some time like rolling out this concept and like they you know I think it's again a credit to George Romero that like he really does like edit this together pretty well and 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 build this story where it's like really lets you kind of sink in and see as like the tides coming in there's like the bucket that's like out and then mm-hmm. gets buried and just the crabs coming in like pinching his nose yeah <laughs> so you met a friend Harry <laughs> yeah and and Leslie Nielsen is tremendous here like I not not that Ted Dance is bad or anything like this but like it's really it's really a treat to see him get to 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 let loose like this yeah um, you like dances. you get to see him just he's always kind of upbeat like he he's never really like like traditionally menacing up, up until a point like at some point he tur- turns on him with a gun and basically forces him into this hole but like you just watch this guy slowly get more and more unhinged yeah and as he's telling you like he's not <laughs> oh when it comes to some matters i'm i'm not sane harry <laughs> um so yeah, they they they, they kind of show this happen, and then there's this great shot with Ted Danson's head under the water. That's like an <laughs> obvious like aquarium, right? Yeah, <laughs> like shot where they but like they. I thought that was a very intentional choice to try to make it look like a comic panel. Yeah, it it, it is, and I think it also like, you know, we talk kind of about tone, and one of the things that. Um, is a fine line to walk is like, that's, it's such a terrifying idea, but this is such a fun movie. Cause like mm-hmm. slowly drowning to death. Fucking, I imagine would suck <laughs> just from my experience with not yeah, being able the, to breathe. <laughs> and the idea of, yeah, I've held my breath before. I can understand where they're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got a good frame of reference for this one. Just the idea of, of seeing that, the the water come in and just, there's nothing you can do about it. Just, the hopelessness of that situation and it's such it's such a long process too where you're taking like the gulps between and Mm -hmm. um again like the hold your breath um so we we get kind of this like a revenant ghost story where he he goes back he's watching the the footage and you get that like the the monitor is starting to go out after he he goes well he goes to go check on them and that the bodies have gone out with the tide as he imagines because they're not there mm-hmm. um goes back as just having a cocktail having a grand old time getting ready to take a shower got his bathrobe on so you know his, <laughs> his... yeah like looking at his wall of security monitors because he's got cameras set up all over the place of course yeah. um but they, but he gets you know confronted by the the two zombies here like through the aquariums he's got his own <laughs> fish all throughout the apartment i do like a lot of that stuff like the framing of them kind of coming through so they're still kind of in the ocean right um and uh you know he tries to barricade himself in the bathroom but they uh they're in the bathroom too <laughs> yeah because they're not <laughs> real they're not really there i don't think yeah because you get it you get a scene where they're showing the security footage and it's and, not being, yeah it's they're not the fog Yes, you just see the fog. You don't see actually. They're not actually standing there. So it's it is not zombies so much as it is ghosts or yeah revenants like you said. Um, but they they've prepared they've prepared a hole for him and 
the, the, that this segment ends with, with him buried and he's losing his mind. He's screaming, Oh, I can hold my breath for a long time. <laughs> I, I, I actually really like that. That's just the defiantly screaming about how long he can hold his breath when that was what he was telling them the whole time. I, I yeah, think and it, and it, that was really well. And you get that moment as soon as the tide hits and it like, <laughs> <laughs> you get, you get like a police squad <laughs> where they freeze frame on his face. <laughs> um, so the, the original ending to this one um, was that it was going to be that uh, he was seeing the ghosts, but it basically it was going to be a kind of like telltale hardish where he was getting driven crazy by it. And then like when the police showed show up, he ends up confessing because he's being driven mad by the, by the spirits and kind of have the same tagline, the same punch, but it would be him in the gas chamber as the gas chambers filling up and him defiantly crazy screaming, I can hold my breath a long time. <laughs> I think, I think either way would work. I kind of like this a little better. It works a little better yeah. with the, the end to the, like the short story sort of thing. Yeah. And it also like, you kind of know that like if you're in the gas chamber and you hold your breath for a real long time, like it's not like they're, it's not like they're like, well, he beat us. <laughs> <laughs> Let the gas out. <laughs> clearly, clearly he's not going to breathe this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like a setup for like another bad Stephen King story though, where it's like the gas chamber and it's like, well, the only way that you can uh, get out is if you beat the Guinness book of world records for holding your breath. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, that brings us, it brings us to our centerpiece. The one that we've been, that we've been dodging here. Peace. Uh, <laughs> so this is the, Basically, there is a second actor in this. There's an actor who plays Jordy uh, uh, Verrill's father and all of the... Uh, father, doctor... Uh, meteor professor. <laughs> yeah, meteors, meteor college person. <laughs> At the Department of Meteors. Yeah. Uh-uh. $200. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the acting instruction that George Romero provided for Stephen King... Uh, is that in this story, he needed to be constantly acting like he was Wiley e. Coyote and he just noticed he wasn't standing on solid ground anymore. <laughs> so. Oh, I mean, in that case, uh, Master Thespian, he nailed it. <laughs> I, why is Stephen King the actor in this part? Uh, because he could be because, <laughs> and I, I'm sure George Romero, who just seems to be like a, a lovely gentleman who really adores and loves his friends, is just like, hey, sure. <laughs> I mean, no. in all honesty, we're gonna we're gonna drag this a little bit, I think. <laughs> but in all honesty, I secretly kind of love it. <laughs> Well, in, in all honesty, uh, again, like maybe rushing something up front real quick, there is a crispy ward winger <laughs> featured in this segment, and there's only two actors in that. So. Well, fair enough. <laughs> I wonder who it's going to be. <laughs> so uh, how, would you, how else would you describe Jordy Verrill, this character that Stephen King inhabits for this role? <laughs> Slap jawed yokel. Is that the yeah? Cletus would be. I think like 
hillbilly from a Looney Tunes cartoon is pretty accurate. <laughs> that pretty much, pretty much says it all. <laughs> that Voril luck is in again, and it's spelled like it always is. B A D. So the the premise of the which this was a pre existing story. This is uh, one he'd, he'd written before called Weeds. Um, a meteorite crash lands on this uh, yokel dipshit's farm, uh, and he immediately gets excited because he <laughs> imagines that he's going to be able to go to the college to sell the meteor to the Department, to the Department of, of Meteors, which I love the Department of Meteors. That was like this fantasy where he's getting one up on him, where the the guy's trying to hand him fifty, and he's just like, uh, uh. <laughs> keep counting. <laughs> I forgot it, it, we wouldn't be as broad without a keep counting. <laughs> it, he has to pay back a two hundred dollar bank loan, which like, you know, sounds awful, but like. Nowadays, that's the loan you'd get from a payday lender. So yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take a $200 bank loan. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, he doesn't really take that many precautions. He doesn't know that it's hot. So he throws some water on it. <laughs> and it breaks open, causing another fantasy sequence. <laughs> you try to sell me a broken meteor? I wouldn't give you 10 cents. <laughs> Um, which these, these fantasy sequences, again, very, very Looney Tunes. <laughs> this whole, this whole story is a, like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Like it, it literally, there's, <laughs> there's, there's like very, very little budget. It's just the special effects that are there look like they could have been a car. This looks like a live action cartoon. Yeah, I know. It's kind of great actually, right? <laughs> I, I said, I kind of love it. <laughs> But like he, I love that he's taking like the precautions. He's got to cool down. But he's also like touching it, pouring the pouring the goop inside the, uh, you know, like right, yeah. the, the fruit they, gusher they, center. They, just down his... meteor department doesn't want that space goop. We'll just dump that out. <laughs> they only want that meteor. Uh, you know, we we also have the the indicators of uh, him being an idiot that he's watching some WWE. From Bob Backlund versus the Wild Samoans, I believe. <laughs> While he's drinking Ripple wine, which oddly enough, I had never heard of Ripple wine before. And then this movie, I this week I watched two movies that had Ripple wine in them, which is like shorthand for, I, I guess, like kind of like what Four Loco would be 20 something years later or like just just cheap, terrible or like steel reserve or some shit. Really is a small world then, right, Josh? <laughs> Well, the other one was top secret. Like there's a joke in there about like the, the East Germans having a, a special white rip, ripple wine and then they, they pour it for them and they wander away and it melts through the, <laughs> through the glasses. <laughs> um, but the uh, t- time passes by, he go, he falls asleep and he wakes up and the, the fingers he's been kind of biting at that had a little something on them. Uh, there's like a little grass growing out of them. So he, yeah. We, we get our third fantasy sequence here. <laughs> Imagine going to the doctor. Uh, he picks up the phone to call the doctor, and that's when the fantasy sequence kicks off. <laughs> if, only, if only he didn't have such an active imagination. Uh, <laughs> again, this is like he he pictures that like 
the doctor's just going to chop off his fingers with a meat cleaver without anesthetic. And it's going to be very painful. <laughs> which, again, like, in this modern day and age, also accurate, except he would also be bankrupted at the end of that. Right. <laughs> it's a very expensive cleaver. <laughs> One meat cleaver to two fingers, $18,000. <laughs> um, yeah, you got you got to talk about how much it costs to dispose of the fingers properly and dances. <laughs> Catalog them and, you know, the, the <laughs> server that it runs on. and <laughs> um, But he just keeps, keeps a growing this, this hair growing out of him. He's itching, itching on it. He gets like the great big bushy beard. <laughs> Literally bushy. <laughs> again tries to calm himself by moving from ripple wine to just like a, a screwdriver using an entire bottle of vodka <laughs> right yeah just dumps that whole thing in the pitcher <laughs> yeah which again you just got to like he's he's got a running commentary this entire time in the <laughs> i can only imagine george romero behind the camera more more bigger bigger <laughs> And goggle-eyed, just <laughs> buck tooth. <laughs> 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 yeah. I would expect like auga noises sometimes. Um, but he does have a vision of uh, his father when he decides that he's gonna. Uh, he wants to go into the to the water to see if that'll help. Like that, it's saying that you know. His father appears and says, "Of course, don't you know that's what the what the what the plants want? Because the plants are growing all around the house now, yeah. and all outside." Um, oh, I probably should mention uh, again another indication that we've got uh, cocaine. Steve writing this one is like, well, if, if I'm writing this story, there has to be a part where I make sure my dick's still good. There <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But eventually, uh, I mean, it's funny because, like, we talk about, like, the tonal shifts. It's, like, for as goofy and broad as this one is, I think it kind of has the darkest ending of any of them. Oh, it definitely does. We get, like, full on the fly here. <laughs> yeah, where he's just, uh, he he ends up getting into the water because he's just basically like, oh, well, that'll at least hurry it up. Like, that'll end my suffering. Yeah. Um. So he goes in and he comes out. He actually ends up coming out of the the bath just in full like ghillie suit, <laughs> um, and he's just a collection of plant matter and just prays that his luck is still in as he grabs a shotgun and blows his own head off. Right. Uh, and we get our ironic stinger here of the um the the weather report on the oh this is gonna be a great season for plant growth as like the plants already kind of starting to grow out of the farm and record rain coming it's gonna turn green like a miracle was <laughs> dun 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 yeah. <laughs> um yeah so we we've kind of gone through all these uh I'm curious if there's any other stuff you want to talk about. This is our, our second anthology we've done. Is the before we get into the specifics of this one, like does that have you found that this format works for you? The 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 multiple short stories, the frame story, the I think I think it does, but I you know I also don't think that I've seen enough of them to really make a a hard judgment on it. But of the ones. Yeah we've seen i think that the the format is is fine um it it also does 
obviously depend on, you know, what's included, whether or not there's quality there or not. Yeah, I think some of them are a little different. Like Southbound's different where each segment was made by a different creative team. or mm-hmm. and, and even like um, some of the other ones, like in, even in Creepshow or like the Creepshow show that's on now, it's always like different folks um, mm-hmm. doing that. But, you know, this is all Stephen King scripts, all George Romero directed. Um, so that I, I think they're able to kind of maintain a tone a little bit better, which is one of the reasons that maybe this is basically like the only horror anthology that's like made money. Like Creepshow 2 did okay. But like yeah. every time they turn these things out, like it makes me a little sad because I, I actually really do like horror anthologies. Yeah, it, but I would say that this definitely feels um, pretty cohesive. Like you can definitely tell that there's a hand at the wheel. Yeah. It feels like of a piece and that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's certainly not an accident. Um, well, if there's nothing else I think you want to talk about, let's uh, let's head on up to that sales floor and see if all the, you know, I think I will admit up front, like disjointed, varying quality parts make up a, sure. a greater a greater whole. Um, I think a lot of my pitch is just uh, sort of what I'd set up front. Like I, I find this to be like a great just like sleepover style movie. Put it on in a party movie. It's um, a lot of the segments, even if they're not like huge winners like even like that we, we both kind of were i think we're in agreement that the father's day section was the the weakest link right it's still, it's still got the ed harris dance it's still got the, the the stinger of him bringing out the head with the the cake frosting and right there, and I mean, there's, there's stuff <laughs> yeah it's it's it, there, there's enough to kind of hang your hat on and one of the things that's cool about like a you know a, an anthology is like when something's not working you're not looking down at your watch being like oh God, like another hour and a half of this, it's like it's, it's moving along and you, you you get to move on to the next thing. And I think it's right. uh, this is a fun one. I think it's obvious that both of them have a lot of um, real reverence for the for this material that they're riffing on. Yeah, as, um, as schlocky as it might be. <laughs> yeah, but it also like I, I kind of mentioned up front like that the EC comic stuff was um you know, seen as like a corrupting influence on the youth. It also was like really kind of subversive in a lot of ways where there was a lot of um, like ideas about race and uh, like class issues and even like drug use and some of the stuff in their crime books that was like kind of ahead of the curve on um, like one of the things they got on tr- in trouble for was a sci-fi story where um, it was about like a an astronaut visiting a planet that had like two functionally identical uh like members of society uh, that were like the same species but just different colors and mm-hmm. they were fighting each other over the different colors and when the astronaut gets back in the spaceship and removes his helmet it's a black astronaut saying like like it's set way in the future and like oh wait this this primitive culture can't join our coalition or something yeah um so i think there is some of that and i think there is some of that uh element that is in both these these guys work i i i I tease stephen king a lot but he's also like he he does speak to issues about like people in in domestic abuse relationships and how like society kind of covers that up like he does have these things that are sort of not the kind of thing you'd find in earlier horror that he's pulling right from this wellspring um, so I find it a really like kind of awesome tribute to those things and as, as cheesy and hokey and campy as it is, like 
I, I, I always have a blast with it. I, I have a slight preference for two, but that's I, I don't think two is the better movie. It's just the first movie I bought on VHS, so it's always gonna have a best like a, a place in my heart. <laughs> Got a soft spot there. <laughs> but I'm curious. I'm curious what you thought. Um, I'm, I'll just come right out and say I had fun with this. I liked it. Um, it's a it's a sale. Um, I don't think that it's. I don't think that it's like tremendous or the best thing I've ever seen or anything like that. But um, I, I found myself, you know, despite the fact that there are some things in here that maybe didn't age the best, uh, you know, effects or otherwise. Um, I was enjoying what was being presented enough to to overlook it. Um, I think, I think there were three stories in here that I really enjoyed, uh, which was, you know, uh, Stephen King, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen, and the Monkey. <laughs> um, everything else I could I could have taken or taken or left. Okay, what if the the they're creeping up on you was just no context, just an old guy with bugs bursting out of him? Would that be like st- standing I, round of applause? <laughs> I I will <laughs> just just yeah just nothing just just that happening. No, that would yeah that been something. Uh, I will say that. The performance of that guy was 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 great. Like him basically telling that widow to fuck off and playing the violin. Like he was a tremendous asshole, and it was it was a lot of fun to see. Yeah. But uh, but the story but the story wasn't anything special. Okay. Uh, well, good here. I, I I did spoil a little bit. Uh, that this this crispy I'm gonna pull right out of this box and hand to one Mr. Stephen King. Because again, the Crispin Glover Award for acting excellence does not have to do with quality. Acting excellence. <laughs> Of, ex- of acting it has to do with the most acting yeah. and i don't think um anybody or i should say anything was trying harder to give a, a, a better performance than the the cocaine flowing through stephen king's body <laughs> at nearly all times maybe tempered with some of that ripple wine like i, I gotta use that for authenticity <laughs> <laughs> It's like, okay, we can bring you just a fake screwdriver. What? I've already had four. <laughs> so you're awarding this to the cocaine wearing the Stephen King suit. Yeah, the cocaine and, you know, uh, some some support for, like, the pills and the alcohol, too. Like, uh, this is so in in Stephen King's, you know, his, I, I, don't, I don't mean to belittle somebody's problems with addiction. but Like three eight balls wearing a trench coat. Yeah, at this period of time in Stephen King's career, this is around when he wrote Cujo, a book that he has no memory of writing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I am not, you know. <laughs> His since, problems with substance abuse have been well documented. We're not just yes. throwing shade. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, when they yield this performance, when then when they maybe at some point we'll cover Maximum Overdrive. I don't know if you've seen that film. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, right. Yeah, I ha- I have seen it. It's another one that maybe has been a long, long time, and maybe only seen pieces. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we've we've got our crispy hand. Now let's let's uh let's talk a little bit about a next time. Sure. Um, and I want to again thank uh Jen Fett for for picking this one out for. Her. I gave her kind of the full rundown of all the stuff that we could stream from George Romero, and she wanted us to go with this one because she she knows a good time when she sees one. So hats hats off to her. Um. But yeah, for I'm gonna I'm gonna give put the ball in your court here and say that um, there's three different directions we can follow. We can follow uh, the director. We could do another George Romero movie. I mean, it, it it 
that might be kind of cool just because this, as much as this is a well-directed film by him, right. it's not, it's not his scripts, which is like very rare in his career. Not the sort of thing that he's known for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we could follow some of this amazing cast and uh, talk about a movie that uh, at least three of them appeared in a couple years before this one. Um, and we can also follow our, our effects guy, uh, Tom Savini, who has had a long and storied career in, in special effects. So, um, in you know, there's various uh, styles in there. Not everything he's done is as, like, comic-y as this. He's done some realistic stuff, too. And I, uh, I, I, I await your decision. Where do you where do you want to go from here? This, this is not a, not a terribly difficult choice for me. Okay. Uh, because as interesting as it might be to to choose some of the other ones, I, I want to see I want to see more stuff from Tom Savini. Like it's a awesome. it's a name that I'm aware of, uh, but I'm not like super duper familiar with. Okay, so um, for it to be kicked around so much, I want to see why. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just go over what the other choices were. Um, if we had stuck with George Romero, we'd done the, we would done the movie that I think has been the most present in multiple choice game style offerings up until this point, we would have done the original night of the living dead. I, uh, I want to keep that as on the list, but never chosen. That's, <laughs> that's my goal. <laughs> You're going to have to work um, and sneak that one in. If, if we'd followed this cast, we would have followed uh, Hal Holbrook, our, our professor, uh, Adrian Barbeau, his, his wife, Billy, and uh, Tom Atkins, um, our, our abusive father. Uh, we would have gone two years earlier and done the fall. John Carpenter's The Fog. They, they all okay. appear. Um, but with Tom Savini, um, my friend, you have picked a slasher set at a summer camp. Uh-oh. So I just want you to, to stew in that one for a minute. Um, but I think I think there's going to be some fun things for you to find here. We're going to do the movie that Tom Savini chose to do instead of coming back to the original Friday the 13th and doing part two. He instead did a, a, another camp slasher called the burning we will be doing the burning so okay looking, looking forward to doing that ever heard of that one yeah no, it's, a, it's a it's a hidden gem um i think there's going to be uh i don't want to i don't wanna spoil things with uh the, the cast of this movie but i think there's going to be some folks in it you see and you're just going to go huh <laughs> all right i'm looking forward to that yeah um and it'll give us a chance to talk about uh let's see uh producer harvey weinstein that should be a fun time right yeah we'll just deep dive into his career i'm sure there's nothing problematic to, to be yeah honest. should should be should be great yeah. <laughs> um, before we get into uh uh our, our business end um what, what have you been what have you been vibing on what have you been enjoying uh you know weirdly a lot of times i don't have anything to throw in here in this kind of segment because i'm a boring piece of crap <laughs> i mean uh our most uh, you know, common yeah. review, yeah, <laughs> but all, all of them have been good so far. So yeah, that's... I'm five. I'm a five star boring piece of crap. The only ones I read. Um, but I have been watching some stuff lately, um, and it's not like deep diving or or really digging out of the mainstream so much. But I've been kind of catching up on some uh, some Marvel stuff that I missed. Okay. Uh, I watched uh, I watched uh, Black Widow, and I watched. Shang-Chi, and I started on um, She-Hulk. Okay. And of those three, I don't know if I can recommend any of them just yet. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Black Widow was fun. 
kind of born identity James Bondish. Yeah. Uh, Shang Chi was just kind of there. I've, I've heard yeah. the the review I've heard on Shang Chi a movie I have not seen is that it kind of has the Black Panther thing where it's like uh, really awesome up until like a really kind of floaty and like dumb ending. Yeah, the ending is like the I don't know what the bad guy was supposed to be like. I'm, I, it's a character I wasn't familiar with beforehand. Um, I there was some stuff in it that I thought was neat. It's about okay. the best I could say. <laughs> uh, I had more fun watching Black Widow. Uh, I have not watched enough of She-Hulk to really form an opinion. Okay. Yeah. So some some recommendations for mediocre offerings from the most profitable inter- enterprise and entertainment. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it kind of feels like, uh, and I don't think this is a this is a really hot take or anything. Kind of feels like they've been doing this for a while, and uh, you know, not all of it's going to be yeah bangers. I, I, my general feeling on on the Marvel stuff is that it's like it's always at least adequate, but it's also like, yeah, it's I, I'm I, it's not like hard to hate it. that I watched any of it. Yeah. <laughs> so so well, I I wish everything else wasn't getting drowned out in the in the conscious, but I guess this is okay. It's, it's I I really <laughs> did enjoy Moon Knight. I thought Moon Knight was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I even liked, I think, uh, the, the only one I've seen of their movies recently was I took my uh, son to go see uh, Love and Thunder. And even though that one got kind of like dumped on, I was like, it's not as good as Ragnarok, but it's kind of like, I think if the stuff you liked about Ragnarok was just the Taika with TD stuff, like, yeah, it's not bad because like he, he is less of himself or toned it down. It's like, yeah, just not quite as good as Ragnarok. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to checking that one out. Yeah. Maybe one of these days I'll have something that's not Marvel to talk about. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the business stuff. Um please reach out to us. Our email is selling the scream at Gmail. Our uh, Twitter is scream selling. Um our uh Facebook, please uh join our group. You'll get the updates on the movies that we're going to cover. Um, in future installments, you get like uh, memes, you get uh, you know some some recommendations for double right. features for stuff. Our phone um, number is <laughs> yeah our social security numbers or uh, bank statements um yeah just reach out to us there and you know we'll, we'll engage with you we'll uh you know hope, hope to build some sort of uh community at good times um but if you could please reach out and uh and leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice um itunes does drive the most traffic so if you could uh leave it there i, I do have the um and the iOS agreement here, it does state there's an asterisk next to where it says bad reviews. And it says that beware that if you leave a bad review, you will meet some sort of ironic death tied to bad reviews. Um, so I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what that could be. Uh, yeah, I don't like uh, like an alien will come down and say, this human seems bad and just stamp one star on them and they'll cut them into five pieces or something. Um <laughs> All right, you don't know. Uh, I'll yeah. workshop it. I'll, I mean, I mean, Apple will workshop it. It's it's Apple that that writes these. Um, yeah. yeah, but uh, until then, join us next time for uh, kind of a recently rediscovered or at least uh, re-unearthed uh, gem of a slasher movie, 1981's The Burning. Bye. Bye. Oh, thank you.